Welcome to Momentum Church. Oh, hey guys, it's good to see y'all. Thank y'all for being here. Like I said, my name is Stephanie. Um, I had the privilege of um, being here and being, like you said, your um, connections pastor and an outreach pastor. That means that I get to do a lot of talking and I love it. I get to do all of the fun things. That's what I tell people. I get to do all the fun things, helping people figure out what does it look like to connect inside the walls of this church and what does it look like to connect outside the walls as we're out in our community. And it's awesome and I enjoy it. So thank you for let me do that. And I have the um, rare um, privilege, intimidation of today of not only um, speaking with my pastor here, but grandpa pastor here. My pastor's pastor is here. So it's like, no pressure. It's fine. It's all good. No, but thank you for coming. Thank you for being here, especially because last week, Pastor Ross let you know that I was going to speak and you still came back this week. So thank you. That was so nice of you uh, to come back and, and talk to So um, we are going to dive in pretty quick. I don't have a fun story, and so you just come up with a fun story, intro story to tell yourself, um, because we got a lot to say, and we're going to not um, keep you here all afternoon. And so um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, but um, it's, I'm really excited to um, to dive into this today, because it's been a lot of fun for me to study and learn, and I'm excited to be able to share it with you. Um, And before we go any further, I am pregnant. Um, I know none of you are aware of that. We are past the guessing point. And so if you didn't know, like, don't just talk to me about it at this point. Okay, it's fine. Like, we're not, it's all good. Um, But I am growing a child and um, have had a a fun, a fun week. We were... um, in Israel this, not this past week, but the week before. And so this week I um, have gotten back into the swing of things, back on Eastern Standard Time. Um, but it have been a little, a little brain foggy this week, if I'm honest with you. So I'm going to, we're going to stick to the notes and we're going to get through this and we're going to get you out in time for early lunch. Who's excited? Yes. Yes. I knew you would be. Um, but yeah, so um, we are going to look at a scripture today that um, a lot of you have probably um, heard before, either talked about from a church, um, you know, in a church setting. And if you haven't heard it before, you've probably heard a sermon that, um, or a story that is somewhat like it. Um, it's in Mark chapter 10, and it's the story of blind Bartimaeus. And again, it's, a, it's an account in scripture where Jesus encounters someone who is in need of something and in stereotypical Jesus style, he meets the need. You're right? Regular Jesus. Am I right? Like someone needs healing and, and Jesus shows up just being his good self. And this is an eyewitness account of when someone needed a miracle and Jesus, like I said, he shows up and he, um, he provides healing. And it's go- what I'm excited about is that there are, um, there's a place in this account of scripture for everyone. Whether you are here today and you're still kind of figuring faith out, is this something that you believe, don't believe, something you're trying to do with your life or not? Or if you've been um, a Christian for a long time, um, we all find our place in this story. And I just think that that's so cool that, that 
the Bible, um, Pastor Corey, our worship pastor says it often, the Bible didn't just happen, it's happening. And it happened, and it's going to continue happening as you grow in your relationship with Christ. And um, I just think that that's so cool. So you're going to find yourself here at some point in this, in this scripture, and I hope that you enjoy it. Because again, I thought it was fun. So um, I hope that you will too. And there's some very specific things in this account that I, again, I think Jesus is weaving into our story today. And we're going to start off in Mark chapter 10. It's in verse 46. So you can go ahead and turn there with me if you've got your Bible. You can click there with me if your Bible's on your phone. You can also go to mymomentumchurch.tv. There's a little link for today's notes. You can click on that. Um, But as I was studying for this, I... I had so much fun, guys. I kind of, I'm gonna, can I nerd out with y'all for just one second? So, um, like Pastor Ross said, not bitterly at all last week, Tom and I had the chance to go to Israel. And, um, and one of the places we got to go was Jericho. And in the beginning of this story, um, it's talking about Jesus is leaving the city of Jericho. And as I'm reading some other commentary through, about this scripture as I'm studying, this, um, the person who wrote this commentary is describing it. And he says, you know, Jesus comes out of the gates of Jericho as he's heading to Jerusalem. And as he comes out, um, he would be seeing, you know, the road that winds back to um, Jerusalem and there would be a large gorge. And I was just like... I know that place. I was there. And I got a picture. I want to show. I took this picture. This is the gorge. This is, as Jesus came out, the, the road winds back this way. And so as we read this today, I just want to give you all a picture that this is what it looks like. And it was in my brain, and now it can be in your brain as well. Um, and this is what the gate looked like. Um, this is... Um, there you go. Look, there's the gate. As the people were leaving Jericho, they would come through this gate. And as they come out of it, um, the people like Bartimaeus, who we're going to talk about, would be sitting this side of the gate. Um, and then the, the best view in all of Israel. Oh, yeah. As a rock. That's my husband, Tom, um, if y'all don't know him. And that's the gate behind him. But that was... Again, and then that's Jericho all behind him and everything. But um, anyway, I just wanted y'all to be able to have that. And now the rest of the sermon is just slides from my trip. I hope y'all are excited. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I had such a nerdy moment as I was reading and studying. And I was just like, oh, thank you, Jesus, um, for an opportunity to go and be able to share that with you. So again, as we talk about this, you can have a picture, maybe not of Tom, but of the other picture of what it looked like um, when he was there. So anyway, that part's free. I just thought that was fun. Are we all to verse 46 now? Okay, perfect. All right, let's pick up Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says, then they came to Jericho. And later, as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large crowd, or in a large crowd, a beggar who was blind named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the man who was blind, saying to him, Take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. And throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And replying to him, Jesus said, 
what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much um, for your word. I thank you um, for this account in scripture and what it is that you want to speak to us today. God, I thank you um, that you are real and you stood in a real place outside of a real gate in a real world where you chose to come and live and die for us. God, so I pray as we read through this scripture today um, that it wouldn't be words on a page. It would be a real place in real time with a real application that you want us to put into our lives. We love you and speak to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, for just a little bit more context, Jesus is um, leaving the city of Jericho, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. So that little road that he was on as he came out of Jericho would go to Jerusalem, and he's heading there for Passover. Um, That night, he's going to sleep in the city of Bethany, and then, like, the crucifixion is just a week away. So if you gives you kind of a perspective of where he is kind of in his earthly ministry journey, we're like close to the end, right? It's just like three years, he's over here. So we are um, headed there for Passover, and all of the roads that are leading to Jerusalem, like the one he would have been on, all the roads that lead to the temple uh, where people are going for Passover um, are very busy because that's where people are going to go during feast. And so not only would there be lots of travelers on that road, but there's also going to be a lot of people like Bartimaeus who are blind, who are lame. People would be sitting, it would not be uncommon for people to be sitting and begging there because these good folks are on their way to church. You know what I mean? Like hopefully everyone's in a good mood, feeling kind of generous because we're headed to church. And so this is like prime location for people. And so not only are there a lot of travelers, a lot of pilgrims, there's a lot of, there would be Again, it would not be uncommon for there to be a lot of um, people begging there as well. And um, if, let's keep going into verse um, 47. And it said, when he heard that he is um, Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. So we get this picture that, there's a bunch of people walking down this road. Like it wouldn't, again, not be uncommon for there to be a large crowd. And then here's Bartimaeus, who I'm sure is, again, he's stuck there. Like he's not going anywhere. He's got his little mat he's laying on. I imagine maybe he got a toe or two stepped on. Like he's feeling the, the pressure of this crowd, even if he can't see it. And he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene is what scripture says which I think is interesting because when he calls out, he doesn't call to Jesus the Nazarene, right? Scripture says he calls Jesus son of David. And it's so intriguing to me, and we're going to come back to that. I'm so get excited. It's going to be fun. Um, but, Jesus, but Bartimaeus calls out to him, and I wanted us to, to take a second to picture this for a little bit because he doesn't call out quietly, right? Like Scripture says that he cried out loudly. Like, we're not using our indoor voices at this point. Like, it's, he's being, he's being loud. And he's got his little mat, 
this is, this is my phase of life that we're in. He had his own mat, but this is, this is where I am right now. It's toddler mat. But so he's got his little mat that he's, that he's sitting on, kind of denotes his space where he's at in the city. And I always want to read this as a very, like, defined. Like, I want to give um, this scripture for some reason, even as I just read it to you, like, I read it probably a little more calmly than what it was, right? Like, but that's not his situation. Like, he's here, and he's blind, and he needs something, and he's heard that there's a guy that's coming through, and there's a crowd of people that are talking about him, and he's sitting, and he can't see, and I don't know why I picture him going, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe that's because how the Bible guy, like, reads it to me when I play it on my Bible.com, but he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But that's not what happened. He's blind and there's people and it's tight. And he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he doesn't know exactly where he is. But I imagine that it is more of a scene than how I make it. Because there's desperation here. That Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I think that that is something that... um, is important for us to recognize. And because I think a lot of times we find ourselves sometimes in a point of desperation. And maybe you're in this place and you have something that's in need of healing. And I just tell you, cry out, like cry louder. And if then that's extra. So if you need to receive something, you just go ahead and receive that today. But then the scripture says that they came over and they said, He's calling you, get up. And he was blind, but he wasn't pregnant. So jumping up was probably a little bit easier. (laughs) Thank thank you, thank you. (laughs) He was blind, but not third trimester pregnant. But we see this, and again, I want to, I, I thought that was so important to picture this guy that we see here. And again, I, I don't read it that way often, but that's where he was. That's where he was in his life. That was the point he was at in his understanding of who Jesus was and what he needed to find from the Lord. It wasn't peaceful. It wasn't dignified. Again, but he, and he can't see him, but he had to get his attention. And again, in verse 49, it says he stopped and he said, call him here. And so they called to the man who was blind saying, take courage, stand up. He's calling you. And he jumped up better than I did. And replying to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabboni, which, um, is a word only used twice in scripture. If you were here last week, Pastor Ross taught on um, the end of our Gospel of John series, um, and Mary said it to Jesus in the garden. And this is the only other place in scripture where it's used. Rabboni is a, um, it's a, rabbi means teacher, and we see that in scripture, but Rabboni is um, my master, my teacher. It's, it is intimate. It is, um, it's the, and it is the most reverent word that he can choose um, 
to be able to speak to Jesus. And again, I just thought that that was so intriguing that that's how he speaks to the Lord. And said, Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And he regained his sight and began following him on the road. What a miracle, right? What a neat and special encounter that he has with God. And especially if you consider this with me, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So I started thinking like, what is, what is the act of faith that he's talking about? Um, and I've heard it said that he asked Jesus for healing and that's an indicator that he thought he has faith that Jesus could heal him. And I was like, that's accurate. A and B equals C, right? If he asked Jesus to heal him, then he must think that he can do it. But I don't think that that's it. I don't think his faith started when he said, let me regain my sight. It started when he said, Jesus, son of David. When he said, and loudly called to him saying, you're the one that we've been waiting for. He said, oh, you're not just Jesus the Nazarene. Because like, like, that's what they told him. They said, this is Jesus the Nazarene. He's coming through. He said, no, this is the son of David. This is the promised Messiah. I have faith that even though he hasn't died yet, that he will be the savior of us all. And that's when faith started. He didn't just have faith in what Jesus could do for him. He had faith in who Jesus was. And I, even if, again, you're here and you're struggling with faith, you're trying to decide where does my faith fit in with this story and this uh, account in Scripture, I want to encourage you to seek out who Jesus is. Because if you do, I promise the evidence of what he can do will always follow. Because he is way, way more interested in you finding out who he is than finding out what he can do for you. But um, I think that that, and then while I think that that is so important, and again, if you are here and you are figuring out um, a relationship with the Lord, I hope that that um, meets you where you are today. But I also want to hone in on one other thing this morning, um, and that's for if you already believe in Jesus. If you've already made that um, decision, you've repented of your sins, you recognize your need for Jesus and the price that he paid for you, um, I wanted to look at one other, again, really intriguing thing that we found here in Mark chapter 10. So let's rewind if we can to verse 49. Um, and this is going to look like, um, I don't want to say, I'm trying to think of the way to say it. it's not really like evangelism, but like, heads up, this is kind of an evangelism sermon sermon. And so just like, go ahead and prepare for that. Um, but it is, it's what is Jesus calling us to do in this? In verse 49, Jesus hears Bartimaeus cry and he stops. And then what he does next, and I've skipped over this, I think every single time I've read this story. Um, I have never seen it until now when I've read this account. So again, if you're, if you're, if you will picture with me, the disciples are in the middle of this large crowd, and they're trying, they're just trying to get Jesus out of the city, which is imp like everywhere they go, it's hard getting people out of the city, getting him, you know, away from people who are trying to talk to him. Now that there's this guy yelling, and he's really loud, and he won't let them get by. And so they're kind of like, come on, let's go. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. Like, no warning. 
because he's Jesus and he gets to do what he wants to. So Jesus stops. And in verse 49, he says, Jesus said, call him here. He looks at the disciples and he says, call him. He looks at him as if to say, you call him. You call him here. Because here's the thing about Jesus, like what we see in scripture is that Jesus was not too good to put his hands to something, right? Jesus spit in dirt and made mud and put it on a different blind man's eyes. Like Jesus like took a, some loaves and some fish and broke them apart and fed 5,000 people, which by the way, I don't think we give enough credit to. Like I feed two kids and it's like, takes forever to feed my toddlers. And he put his hands and like broke everything apart for 5,000 plus people. Again, I just don't think that we give that enough credit. Like he put his hands to things. He raised his hands and calmed storms. Jesus didn't all of a sudden become like a diva and he was like, please go get this guy and bring him to me. You know, like he didn't all of a sudden was just like, I'm too good to walk over there. That wasn't what was happening. He intentionally engaged those disciples and said, you call him. Right? You go call him. Go get him. And then where do he say? Where do we bring him? Bring him here. Here. Bring him to my presence. Go get him and bring him to me. And this is important, especially in the context of what's happening right now, guys, because the cross is coming, right? We're a week out from the crucifixion. And I think that this is just a very practical moment where Jesus is saying, I've been sailing this boat for a while. I've been steering, but soon I'm not going to be here, and I need you to know what to do. You're going to have to do this on your own, so let's go ahead and have a moment of teaching while I'm here to help you, right? This is a teaching moment, and yes, this is an account of a blind man's healing, but also, again, a teaching moment for the disciples then and a teaching moment for us now. What does it look like? To, um, to respond? Like, what does it look like to engage people around us? What does it look like when he says, go, we go? Where Jesus says, I'm here with you, but let's start a little evangelism training. You call him. You call him and bring him here. And y'all, the boys did real good. They did a good job. They went to him. And they said, take courage, stand up. He's calling you. Isn't that like the best news that you get to share? Like, I want that assignment. Like, you go call him and tell him, take courage. And in verse 50, they said, and throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And guys, I think that there's something at play here that is so much more sacred than we realize. A part that we get to play in something that's holy. That this blind man had been begging He'd been looked down on. In fact, a lot of scholars will say that they, um, they believe that he wasn't born blind, like some others in Scripture, that he um, went blind at some point in his life. And so there is the very real possibility that he walked by a group of people that looked a lot like him today, that he may have looked down his nose at someone that was blind and now he sits among them. And he calls out to Jesus, and he's told to be quiet. 
that's heavy. It's a heavy place to find yourself in life, but this is where he finds himself. But then, in come voices of the disciples. And all of a sudden, he hears people kindly speak to him, take courage, stand up, he's calling you. And they didn't have to say Jesus is calling, like they knew, he knew he was calling him. He, he is calling you. Because the first face that Barmadus saw was Jesus, but the first acceptance he felt was from the disciples. And this, the disciples spoke words of hope before Jesus spoke words of healing. And, and that, again, I think that that is something sacred, again, something holy that he's inviting us to be able to participate in. I'll take that back. He's not inviting us. He's calling us. He is requiring us to participate in. Something that he was teaching them then and something that he wants to teach us now. Because if you consider yourself a Christian, guys, man, this is, this is for you. Like, this is a lesson for you. This is a lesson for me. Full stop. No exceptions. <laughs> if you consider yourself a Christian, a disciple of Christ, he's saying, you call him. First Corinthians tells us that if we are believers, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He indwells us, which means he empowers us. Temple, I love that. I thought that like, we're not, we are temples of God, not museums of God, right? That he doesn't exist in us for display. He exists in us for activity, right? And, and again, which is so important because in just a few weeks after this account takes place, Jesus will die, but he's not going to stay dead. Kind of good and amen. He's going to be resurrected. And he's going to stand around with these guys, and he's going to say, I've got to go. I know that you're used to me being here steering the boat, but i got to go. But don't worry. I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. Don't worry. I'm sending someone who will say, you call him, but you got to listen. And when he says call, you go. And you don't, <laughs> you don't know. Um, and maybe you're in this place, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what to listen for. I don't know what to, I don't know where to call them. Call them here. That's what Jesus said. He said, call them to my presence. And for you, maybe that person that you're encountering with, you're in, a, in an encounter with, maybe that's a, a moment you're inviting them into, into Jesus' presence by just praying with them, by just meeting them in that moment and welcoming them into the presence of God with prayer. Or maybe it's, you, where do I invite them? Invite them here. I would love for them to be here. <laughs> Pastor Ross would love to preach to them. If you want to invite them somewhere, invite them here. Call them here because the presence of God is here. Get them here. Invite them and they can experience him. And this is where we kind of move from this idea of passive evangelism to active evangelism. And just like a simple working definition of evangelism for the point of this sermon is when he says, call them, you call them. Does that make sense? Like that's what we're working. He says, you call them and you say, yes, sir. <laughs> that is the working definition of evangelism for today. Simple. It's just calling people to Jesus, just like Jesus told the disciples to do then and like he's telling us to do now. And I often hear it said, um, and, and, it's, and it is a legit 
a legit thing. People will say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to tell them. Well, if I can encourage you, I don't know either. Like, that, again, that is very, a very legit um, thought process, and that's okay. But I, but I often hear the, the phrase, I just want to live, I just want to live in a way that where people just see Jesus in me. And that, again, is something that I have said often in life, but I would like to challenge myself. And if you're in the room here, you can apply it to yourself if it applies to you. Um, but again, something that I've, I've had to preach to myself this week if I have, as I have studied this is the challenge being that if I want people to look at me and see Jesus, I have to be intellectually honest enough with myself about what do they see when they look at me. Well, Stephanie's nice. Well, I try. Most of the time. You know? But no, what do they see when they look at me? Because when they looked at Jesus, they saw a guy who healed the Bartimaeus on his path. When they looked at Jesus, they saw a man who brought little kids back to life from the dead. They saw someone who talked to sinners about the hidden sin in their life and encouraged them and inspired them that they can change and make a difference. He walked into spaces and, and peace came to storms. And spoiler alert, so did his disciples. But if I'm being honest with myself, I don't know if me just living my life would cause people to see things like that. I don't know if just living my life causes me to be that impactful. Does that make sense? Don't agree with me. Yes, my life was very impactful to you. (laughs) No, but if I'm being honest, if I'm going to say that I'm going to live in a way where my life influences the world, I've got to be intentional in the way I live my life. And again, like I said, honestly, studying this and writing this sermon has caused me to have to look at that deeply this week. And so I I'm, I'm, um, have fe- stepped all over my own toes, and now I, I get to share it with you. Um, and Lee Strobel, who was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, and he authored the book, uh, The Case for Christ, said it this way, and I loved it. He said, I'm all for lifestyle evangelism, but I'm also in favor of intentionality, where we seek out opportunities for spiritual conversations and are equipped to explain the gospel and why we believe it. And I was like, oh, man, like, that's good. I appreciate that I can can live this way. There's nothing wrong with lifestyle evangelism as long as I'm also in favor of the intentionality of bringing God into my conversations, of bringing him into my life and listening so that when he says, call them, I move. And I want to give you just two super simple things, super simple that I think can move us from a passive kind of a passive style into an active style. Um, and, and both of these things together, two things, both together will take you less than five minutes. So... I think it's, I, I think you got it. We can do this. We can do it together. Five minutes. I know I tested it. Um, the first thing is to just sit down with a piece of paper, a pen, and a timer. Your phone, go get the little sand thing out of one of the board games, you know, and turn it over. Um, whatever you got, a pen, a piece of paper, and a timer, and say, how can I intentionally work God 
into the conversations that I'm having this day, this day, this week, on into the future? How can I work God into these conversations and start strategizing about how can I talk about God in my daily life? Especially to the people around me who don't know him. Especially to people who are hurt and blinded, who haven't heard that take courage from anybody yet. What does that look like? How can I do that? And then number two is pray. Pray, God, please give me the opportunity to speak these things. Give me the opportunity to practice the intentional conversations that I have set down and looked at. And give me the boldness to move and speak when you bring me the opportunity. Because if you ask for the opportunity, he's going to bring it to you. So make sure that you ask for the boldness to be able to, to speak that, to pray that, to live that with someone in the moment. To move when he says call them. And here's um, my example that I, that I came up with um, that I'll share with you. Um, I've got kids and been talking with a lot of moms recently. It's just the phase of life that I'm in right now. And I've been having a lot of conversations about parenting culture, and it's hard. And I also come to realize that that's not new. Parenting is hard no matter how old your kids are, whether they're grown or they're little or you're still trying to grow them. Like wherever we are in this phase of parenting, like it's, it's hard. And it is... Um, it can be overwhelming and anxiety-inducing. And these are the conversations that I find myself having with a lot of women right now especially, is, man, this is, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And all of the people, like, like my mom and everyone else is like, we told you so. We told you this is going to be hard. Now you know. No, I'm kidding. But I'm, I'm, this is, the, again, this is just um, a common conversation that I've been having, and so it made sense for me that this would be where I would start, is these conversations I'm having with other moms, um, and being able to say intentionally to them, being able to, ha- as I have these conversations, say this, and this is what I, this is, and this is what I came up with. Momming can be so overwhelming, and I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I know and I know that God made zero mistakes when he was deciding for me to be their mom. And that brings me a lot of peace and should bring me a lot of confidence. And then I just pray that he helps me to be that mom that they need. And that's a, this is a conversation I'm having weekly, if not daily. But can I, can, at some point, can I have this conversation and then be able to say, hey, how can I pray for you as you mom this week? To be able to speak to the value that I have on God as my, in my practical and my daily life. How can I speak to the fruit of the spirit, peace, that God brings me? So that if that other mom starts to feel like she's not enough, or she starts to feel like maybe she's not equipped to care for that kid, man, I hope that she can hear those words and, and hear, take courage, Stand up. He's called you. He knows you. He's prepared you. You were, God designed you for those kids and vice versa. And just that little interaction 
to be able to live Jesus in someone else's life, to be able to plant a seed that says, man, you feel unequipped, you feel like parenting is anxiety-inducing and overwhelming? Well, it is, but Jesus, but Jesus, he can bring the peace that you need. He can bring the confidence that you need. And they seem, that may seem like such a small thing, but I promise as we practice those things, they'll grow. And as we practice these things, it becomes a normal part of our conversation. It becomes a normal part of the way that we engage with other people about God. And it becomes um, an easy answer when he says, you call them. And we say, all right, because we've practiced it. It may seem like a little thing, but in Luke 16, he says, don't be discouraged in the small things. He was faithful with little, is faithful with much. And I know in that context, he was talking about finances. But man, if we can do it with our money, we can do it with our time right? Be faithful with those little things. And I want to give, um, I want to give some honor, um, where it's due to Pastor Brantley and his wife, Hannah. Um, if you're new around here, Pastor Brantley is our executive pastor and his wife, Hannah is, um, currently in the process of being healed from a brain tumor in Jesus name. And yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. And last week, he was giving us an update on her, and he was talking about how um, just her living her life, um, living there in, in front of those nurses and doctors and in waiting rooms, man, just living her life has brought encouragement and has brought um, hope to the people that they are encountering. And I believe that that is 100%, 100% true. I'm not surprised by that. But the normalcy of it isn't of that joy that, that Hannah portrays. Man, it's, it isn't, um, it's because it was practiced. The Bible says he who practices righteousness is righteous. Man, that family has practiced joy. They've practiced thankfulness. They've practiced peace. And again, um, I just want to be able to speak that. And if y'all, and if they're watching today, man, we honor you that you have set an example that, man, it seems like a little thing, but when we practice it, man, it becomes part of who we are and what we do. And it's not just them, man, that can be us too. That can be us. And it may seem like baby steps, but when we practice those steps they sudden, suddenly, um, this idea of evangelism doesn't seem so intimidating anymore, does it? It's just him calling us. And again, we're saying, yes, sir. We'll bring him to you. Because he needs you. And he needs me. He needs us collectively as we reach, um, as a church, the people that he needs to reach, the 75% of Woodstock that will not hear about Jesus today. Reaching them and then you individually, us individu- individually in our own circles. He needs us there. And if you don't know where to start, like I said, please start with a simple exercise. Two things. Sit down with your timer, figure out how you work God into your conversation, and then pray for him to give you opportunities. How can you intentionally call people into his presence? I said, we just do that. 
And Easter is a great example. Like, like they were saying earlier, like text the number, get the, um, oh, look at that. I didn't realize that was magic. There it is. It's right there. Thank you. That was perfect. You know, said, this is, you are going to talk about Easter this week with people that they may not even believe in Jesus, but they believe in going to an egg hunt. They believe in getting their kids some free candy. You know, they, they are going to, they may accept an invitation to Easter that they would not accept any other time of year. You want an easy way to do it, put it, get you the little thing on your phone. And when Jesus says, call them, give them the invitation, invite them here. If you don't know where to invite them to invite them here. Because he, but he does. He needs you in your life to be um, as intentional with, with their future as Jesus was with yours. He needs you to be as intentional with their future as Jesus was with Bartimaeus. People who Jesus is asking you to call because it will change the trajectory of their lives forever. And not just their lives here, not just making their lives better here, which we want their life here on earth to be good, but their eternity. Because ultimately, isn't that what matters, right? Is that they will, they will have eternity, and we would really like for, for them to spend it with Jesus. And we'll close with this because I can't say it better than Charles Spurgeon's. Um, he said, oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. And if hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth with our exertions and not let one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Man, it seems like something small, this active conversations that we have in our lives with people, preparing that conversation. Man, it makes all the difference in eternity. And again, if you're here and you're not sure about faith or you're going through a testing time, I want to encourage you, don't stop crying out. Like Bartimaeus, cry out all the more. And just like he stopped from Bartimaeus' cry, he will stop for you. And if you're already sure about your faith, be confident in this. He's saying, you call them. And if you feel unsure or unconfident about that, he's saying, I'm not going to leave you unprepared. I'll give you my Holy Spirit. Now let's practice. Practice with me. Train with me. Because I have people that I'm going to ask you to call. Will you call them? Let's pray together. God, thank you for trusting us. God, thank you for inviting us into something so sacred and so holy as to bringing people into your presence. God, I pray 
that you would um, encourage us, inspire us, give us the boldness to be the people who go when you say call them. God, and for anyone who is still trying to figure out what it looks like to hear you call their name, God, I pray that we would be good representations of your voice. Um, with heads bowed, if you're in this place today and you say, then that's, um, I'm still struggling with that. I haven't been able to jump up yet, but I'm in a place where I would really, I would really like to get into his presence. I would really like to start that relationship. Would you just lift up your hand? I'd love to pray with you today. Mm, yeah. And if you're here today and you say, I know I have a relationship with God. I love him, but it's hard for me to move in boldness sometimes. I know he's given me people to call, but I don't know. I don't know how to do that, but I know I want to start. If that's you, will you raise your hand and we'll pray with you today? Oh, yes. Lots of hands. All right. Let's pray. Jesus, you see my friend's hands. God, you see, even more than that, you see their hearts. God, you know, God, that we want to be a people who make that difference. God, so I pray you would give us the, um, the intentionality, give us the focus and the strength, God, to be able to set aside, a time, set aside time to strategize about how we can engage you in our conversations. God, you um, didn't do anything by chance. God, you didn't happen into life here. God, you came here with purpose, and we were that purpose. God, so I pray for my friends as we look into what it looks like to purpose our lives for you and for others, Lord, that you would give us an extra portion of your Holy Spirit to guide us. Show us what that looks like, and let us walk in confidence knowing, God, that we can, we can do it. You have given us what we need. You have given us your Holy Spirit to guide us. God, and, and if you do, God, we commit ourselves that when you say call them, we will go. And we will bring them to your presence. In your son's precious, amazing, and holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www. Momentumchurch.tv